Welcome to Varsity Videos, brought to you by the OHIO Podcast. Here at Varsity Videos, we review and rank sports films from the Super Bowl to the Toilet Bowl. I am your host, Chris Wilds, a sports fan, movie buff, and podcaster. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Boggs. Eric, how's it going? It's going. We're excited. We're getting to the grade eight here in our 64 Sports Movie Challenge. Absolutely. Very exciting stuff there. Eric, last week... We, we kind of touched on a 80s cult classic in Gymkata. This week, I think you have brought us a truly phenomenal and severely underrated film. However, before we dive into the film for this week, Eric, we need to start out with a little bit of movie news. So I'm going to turn the reins over to you for that right now. Well, how about this, Chris? I didn't do movie news because, I, quite frankly, I didn't have time to look it up. So how about we talk about our favorite Kevin Costner films? Okay. And we can talk, we can talk sports films or we can talk non-sports films because as we, as we reviewed field of dreams a few shows ago, I just realized I I just gotta, I just gotta talk about Kevin Costner a little bit more. He is amazing. Sports films especially, but yeah. So let, let me start off with you. What is some of your favorite non-sports movies that Kevin Costner has done? Oh, wow. Um, I'll tell you, I liked his Robin Hood. I did, too, although people hate it. Yeah, yeah. Dances Um, with Wolves, I think, is classic. Dances with Wolves is a very, I think artistic film he uh-huh. did. um you, you know i don't know if it's one of my favorites i think it is definitely one of his most critically acclaimed films how about the bodyguard you know i'm not a huge fan i did like his character in the movie it, it wasn't bad okay how about uh, the Untouchables. Oh, him and Connery classic. Okay. Um, how about JFK? That was that was pretty good. Uh, I'll tell you another one, kind of along those lines. Was uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Was it was it Thirteen Days? I think was the name of the film. Hmm. About the um, Cuban Missile Crisis. Okay. Um, he was extremely good in that as well. And then I think an extremely underrated film that got pooped on when it first came out, but has a giant following now, Waterworld. Oh, Eric, I was kind of hoping you were just not even going to mention that. You hate that movie? I'm I'm not a fan. Really? I love it. Yeah, not, not a big fan. Okay. Uh, Obviously, Field of Dreams is probably his best sports movie. Number two, Bull Durham. Bull yes. Durham. Yeah. Yeah, Bull Durham, absolutely. And it's probably not even close, is it? That's uh, pretty close. Is it? I, I think it is. I think that Bull Durham, as much acclaim as it does get, I'll tell you, it, it, it is closer to Field of Dreams than I think most people give it credit for. Okay. I'm about to pro- I'm about to throw my th- I would say his third best sports movie and it probably people are going to probably disagree with me on it but 
I'm going to say draft day. Oh. Over, for love of the game, over 10 cup. Yeah. Yeah. American Flyers, of course. <laughs> yeah, you know, I really want to go for love of the game here, Eric. I do. Yeah. I mean, and I'm a, I'm a Browns guy. Yeah, I think draft day is more. It's got it's got a better pacing to it. Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you. I'll, I'll go draft day. I'll let you have that one. <laughs> okay. You're just not going to let me have Waterworld, though. Not going to give you Waterworld. Not n- no. That's too bad. <laughs> All right, man. Enough enough non sports movie talks. Let's let's dive into the 64 sports movie challenge. These were some good ones, Eric. Oh, man, weren't they? I'll tell you, this is not even the animated movie that made it. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. So, interestingly enough, we, uh, before we dive into these, we allowed everybody the opportunity. We did this last year. We did it again this year. We allowed everybody to vote on the eight movies per bracket that lost in the first round, and we created what was called a second chance bracket. And we started that voting as well, Chris. And so I have the results from that if you want to go over those real fast. That's number it. one seed, The Wrestler, uh, took down the number eight seed, eight seed Teen Wolf 2. Uh, by a 12 to and seven vote, 12 to seven. So a little closer Eric, there. Can, can you just let's go back for a second? Can we somehow anyone out there, please explain to me how Teen Wolf 2 got in there? It just is not good, Eric. <laughs> I know it's not your favorite, but there is there, it's fun. It is a fun movie. Um, number five seated Little Big League. Got uh, 14 votes and personal best got only two. So the number five seed upset the number four seed. You've got the number six seeded, The Karate Kid, the remake from 2010. It had 18 votes and without limits only had two votes. So another upset there. And then earlier this morning, we put up the fourth and final um, matchup for the uh, second chance bracket. And by a total of 12 votes to three, the legend of Bagger Vance took down the big green. So that means the second round of the second chance bracket will be the wrestler against Little Big League and the Karate Kid against Legend of Bagger Vance. Well, I'll tell you what. It- there's a couple of really, really good movies in there and a couple that aren't so bad. <laughs> I but, can't uh, believe you're, I can't believe you're dogging the karate kid like that. <laughs> you know, I'm a purist, Eric. Give, give me 84 karate kid all day long. The I remake. Know. I just, but you know what? Hold on a second. It's the karate kid versus bagger Vance. Yep. We've got father versus son. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, pretty cool. I'm pretty sure daddy's probably going to wipe the floor with the son. I'm, I'm pretty I'm sure. I'm thinking. 
All right, let's dive into the good stuff. The great eight of our 64 sports movie challenge. Uh, so these are these will be your champions per bracket that will move on to the final four. Let's begin over in the family-friendly bracket where you have number three cars from 2006 taking on over the top from 1987. Of course, Cars are one animated uh, film, uh, set one of two animated films that was in the 64 Sports Movie Challenge, the other one being Cars 2. Uh, Owen Wilson plays Lightning McQueen. Larry the Cable Guy is Mater. Bonnie Hunt is Sally. Uh, Paul Newman is Doc Hudson. Cheech Marin is Ramon. Just a great cast of characters there. Um that that voiced the characters in Cars, and of course, over the top, uh, one of the better father-son sports movies that I can think of, with Sylvester Stallone playing Lincoln Hawk. Uh, you got Rick Zumwalt as Bob Bullhurley, Robert Logia, uh, Log- Logia uh, as Jason Cutler does a great job there as that character. A um, lot of fun in this movie. David Mendenhall plays Michael Cutler, um, so. This is tough for me, Chris. I, you know, I, 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 I'm going to go ahead and go first here. I think Cars is by far one of the best, if not the best, animated films that Pixar ever made. And I know that that's probably sacrilegious to a lot of people with Toy Story, but I love Cars. I think Cars was brilliantly, brilliantly made, and I, and it's so charming. But for me. Over the top has got so much substance there, and although there, yes, there is some '80s cheese and some testosterone, and Sylvester Stallone as Lincoln Hawk, and all those things that the '80s were known for. To me, the story there is fantastic, and I love the story. I'm going to go ahead and take Over the Top today, Chris. Who are you yeah. picking in this? Well, I'll tell you, I'm with you. I think Cars is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, one of Pixar's best, if it's if it's not Pixar's absolute best. Uh, over the top, I again, I love the story. I'm a big Robert Loggia fan, anyhow. Uh, you know, I think that you know he never is really a lead character, but he is such a great supporting actor. Uh, and and I'll tell you one other thing that does it for me for over the top is I think it really has a wonderful soundtrack for the movie. Oh gosh, that yeah. that really helps to propel the film. I'm going over the top. Yeah, I I'm with you. And so this was a close one, Chris. Very very close by a, a score of 14 to 12. The fans took Cars. So our two votes. I, take, I can't be mad at them about it. No, I can't either. But our two votes take over the top. Over the top. Uh, yeah, that was cheesy. Um, so over the top is going to win the family friendly bracket and move on to the final four. Let's go ahead and go on to the, uh, remake sequels and remakes bracket where you have, uh, Rocky two from 1979 taking on the karate kid part two from 1986. Again, you know, my feelings about Rocky two. I think it's one of, if not the best Rocky movie, uh, the Karate Kid Part 2, again, I think this is more of a Mr. Miyagi film, which I love and I can appreciate. So this is an interesting one, Chris. I'm going to let you go first here. Go for it. So I love Karate Kid 2. I think it is 
a great film. Not quite where the first one was, but, you know, I love the backstory with Mr. Miyagi. I love the fight scenes. I think they are as good as, if not better, than the actual tournament scenes in the original. Um, I think, again, great soundtrack there. But Rocky II is just... If Rocky... And to me, Rocky is perhaps, you know, and we made this argument before during our last tournament, I think Rocky may be, if it's not one of the best, or if it's not the best, it's definitely one of the best sports movies ever. Rocky II is right there with it. Um, I prefer the original World over two. I know you actually like it the other way around. Um, but I, I got to go Rocky II. It's, it's next to Godfather II, probably one of the most iconic remakes ever, or I'm sorry, sequels ever. You've got Rocky II, you've got Godfather II, and you've got The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at as far as sequels go. I'm going Rocky II. You and me both. I don't even think it's close. The Karate Kid Part Two is charming. Rocky Two is epic. Uh, and the fans, they, they agree with us as well. By a, a vote of 21 to 3, it's going to be Rocky Two, And so that means in the final four... We're going to have a little Sylvester Stallone on Sylvester Stallone crime, my man. Uh, That'll be interesting. Moving on to the other side of the bracket here, let's go to the Olympic Films bracket where you have Miracle from 2004 and you have Cool Runnings from 1993. Oh, my goodness. Where do we go from here, Chris? This was the toughest decision for me right here. Is it? So... I'm I'm probably going to say it was not the toughest one for me. I think if you asked me certain questions, I would give you a different answer. So, for instance, if you said to me, which film is probably the better artistically made film, I would definitely say Miracle. If you would say to me, which film would you like to watch today? I would probably go with Cool Runnings. Which film... uh, exemplifies the exemplifies sport on a greater level miracle does which sport though has maybe the more heartfelt story i think cool runnings does which movie has just the you know the better miracle in it if you will miracle right so it really depends what you're looking for in which film that you find better and based off of the voting for this one most of the fans felt the exact same way now i'm not going to tell you chris which film beat the other by the votes but i will say this it was the most voted on uh out of all the all the films that we voted on this week it was the most voted on matchup and it and one film won in the fan vote by only one vote wow this was close. And so that being said, I, I'm actually going to vote with my heart instead of my head. And I'm going to pick cool runnings. Wow. Yeah. Like I said, this one was the toughest one for me because I think miracle is the superior film, but cool runnings is just, it's such a, feel good film and just so charming john candy you know i love john candy 
Uh, you know, we could do a whole bracket of John Candy movies, not have a good time with it. Sure. Uh, you know, I think that the chemistry between the actors in Cool Runnings was really wonderful. And like you said, if I was going to watch one today, that would be it. That being said, Eric, I got to agree with you. I'm going to go Cool Runnings here. So by a vote of 25 to 24, the fans went with Miracle. So your vote and my vote takes Cool Runnings over the top. Cool Runnings is considered by Varsity Videos as the greatest Olympic sports film ever made and will go on to the final four. Now, who will be its matchup? And the bracket that, quite frankly, was the most surprising in a lot of ways when it comes to seeding. You have number nine seed, Days of Thunder, and number 15 seed, Radio, which you and I have been dragging through this tournament, by the way. A lot of people, not radio fans, and it's very interesting to me, flick chart uh, users are not radio fans either, and I just don't get it. I think radio is a fantastic film. You've got a great cast. Uh, the performance by Cuba Gooding Jr. is fantastic. I think Ed Harris's role is absolutely awesome. You got a great bad guy in Frank with Chris uh, Mulkey. You got an amazing principal performance, I think, by um, uh, Miss Merkerson. So, or Al- Alfred Woodward, sorry, Principal Daniels. This is just such a great movie, man. And then you've got Days of Thunder, which I made the comment last week. I think it's the greatest racing movie ever made. Um, and I know it depends on your your either love or hate of NASCAR. With Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, Randy Quaid, Robert Duvall, John Riley. This has got another great cast, man. You get to choose first here. Days of Thunder or Radio? Who needs to go on to the Final Four out of the best of the rest bracket? I'll tell you, I love Radio. I think, again, heartwarming story. Uh, like you said, the the cast in there, it's like the front row at the Oscars. I think it seems like everybody in that cast has at least got a, an Oscar for supporting actor, actor or actress. Uh, you know, you got Alfred Woodard. You got Cuba Gooding. Uh, you've got Ed Harris. Um, Days of Thunder, though, man, that's just that is a really good action-packed film. It's iconic, isn't it? It, it, it as racing films, and you know, I'm I'm a big fan of my Ricky Bobby. Mm-hmm. But you know what, Days of Thunder, I would have to agree with you, is probably the best racing movie as far as a pure NASCAR racing movie. It's tough. It really is. Eric, I'll tell you what. I, I'm going to take the underdog. I'm going to let it keep going. Give me radio. <laughs> oh, I'm so torn because I actually know what the fans voted here, man. And it's it's really interesting. So I'll tell you I'll tell you what the fans' vote is. By a vote of 17 to eight, they chose Days of Thunder. And I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, 
radio is not, like I said, it's not the action packed, you know, thrill movie that days of thunder is. It's, it's definitely more of a, a storyline movie. I'm not going to let you or the fans persuade me. I, I, I absolutely love radio, but when I was a kid, Days of Thunder was one of my favorite movies. And it's been a while since I've watched it. I went back and watched some clips this week. I understand why people have a love affair with that movie. I think I'm going to go ahead and throw the fans a bone today. And I'm going to give this one the Days of Thunder. Even though it's kind of a little bit out of spite, Chris, here. And... And my heart's telling me radio. I can't do the heart thing two times in a row here. So I'm going to go ahead and say Days of Thunder is going to get the win. Are you mad oh, at me, Chris? I'm not mad at all. Like I said, definitely a tough decision. My I'm wife very, just booed me. <laughs> What's that? My wife just booed me from downstairs. She's listening <laughs> to us record. Nice. Oh, shucks. So there you have it, man. Your final four is going to be Days of Thunder versus Cool Runnings. Rocky two verse over the top, man. What do you think of that final four, Chris? I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be tough. You know, when you look at how different Days of Thunder and Cool Runnings are. Um, but I think that's going to be an exciting matchup. And then Stallone versus Stallone. Who doesn't love that? Yeah. Exactly. That means we got four new, or well, not four new ones, but four films that we need to uh, re-rank, don't we? Yeah, there's a couple, a couple re-ranks in there, but yeah. Yeah, so let's dive into this here, and first one that we need to re-rank is Cars. So let's throw Cars into the flick chart here. I think all four of these are re-ranks, if I'm not mistaken. But did we have out. radio in the first rankings? Uh, maybe we did. Maybe that'll be a new one here. All right, so let's re-rank cars. Here we go. I won't tell you, Chris, where it starts off, but its first matchup is from 2019, the Turkey Bowl. Ooh. Oh, man. Ooh. Yeah. I, That's a tough I'm matchup. Turkey Bowl, Eric. I love me some Turkey Bowl. Uh, all right. I, as much as I love Turkey Bowl, cars is really good. Like I said, it's probably the – the best animated sports movie of all time and one of the better ones I think I've ever made. So let's flip for it. You want heads or tails this week? You know what? I'm, I'm a tails type of guy, Eric. Just give me tails. Tails wins. Turkey bowl. All right. From 1971, Brian song. Give me cars. I'll take cars here as well. From 2000, love and basketball. Yeah, I'm going to take cars. I am as well. From 2009, Invictus. I think I'll go with the animated film here in Cars. I will as well. From 1994, Major League Two, Chris. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to go Cars. I am as well. From 1998, He Got Game. Give me Cars. I'm with you. From 2018, Tag. Whoa. I really like Tag. I know you did. But you know what? I'm going to go Cars. 
I am as well. Cars fell from 34 to 68. That first matchup got it. Ooh, bad matchup, right? I mean, you, you talk about it all the time. So now we have to add the Karate Kid Part 2. This one might be a new one for us here. Yeah, I think it is. All right. From, I, think, I think all the sequels were new, weren't they? Just about. I think so, yes. All right, yeah, this is going to be a new one for us. All right. From 2019 again, the Turkey Bowl. Ooh, uh-oh. Give me Karate Kid. Mm, let's flip for it. <laughs> this time I'm going Turkey Bowl. And you win again, Tails. He's going to go forward. From 2004, Dodgeball. Give me Dodgeball. Oh, I'm going to take Dodgeball here. From 1986, Wildcats. You know I love Wildcats, Eric, but I, I got to go Karate Kid. Let's flip for it. I got you this time. Heads. I'm not mad. Yeah, I didn't think you would be. From 1977, Slapshot. Oh, I got to go Slapshot. Oh, yeah, not even close. From 2020, The Way Back. I think I'm going to take The Way Back here. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. That's that's an underrated movie. Here's one of your favorites. From 1994, The Air Up There. I like the air up there a lot, but I'm going to take Karate Kid. Yeah, give me Karate Kid Part 2 as well. From 1996, 10 Cup. I think I'm going to take the Karate Kid Part 2 here. I am as well. All right. That means the Karate Kid Part 2 sits at number 63 on the flick chart. So another new guy has been added to the flick chart, and he now sits at number 63. All right. It's time to do a re-ranking here. Miracle is up next. Miracle from 2004, and here we go. Up first from 2019, the Turkey Bowl. You know, I love Turkey Bowl, but I got to go Miracle. It's just such a better film. I'm going to agree with you as well. From 2004, Dodgeball. Here I'm going to go Miracle. Yeah, I got to take Miracle as well. From 2019, Ford v. Ferrari. Give me Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't disagree with you here. I want to, but I think that the pacing is just better in Ford, Ford v. Ferrari. From 1979, Rocky Two. What would have happened <laughs> if <laughs> Rocky Two? Yeah, I don't think that's a question. From 1942, The Pride of the Yankees. Oh, miracle! All day, every day. From 1988, Bloodsport. Give me Bloodsport. Yeah, I'm with you. From 2008, The Wrestler. Oh. I'm going to take Miracle here. I'm going to agree with you. Miracle goes from 53 all the way down to 27 in its re-ranking. Wow. That's not a bad move. That's a good move right there. That's probably the... In all honesty, one of the largest jumps we've seen all year in a re-ranking right there. Yeah. All right. Last time we get to add another new one. So here we go. It is going to be radio from the year 
2003. How is this thing only winning 30% of its matchups on Flickchart? I have no idea. From 2019, the Turkey Bowl. Give me radio. I'm with you. From 2009, the blind side. I think radio's better. Reluctantly, I'm going to agree. From 2019, Ford v. Ferrari. Uh, Eric, I'm going to be honest. i got to take radio here. I think it's it's a better story. I agree. I agree. From 1984, the original, The Karate Kid. I've got to go Karate Kid. Yeah, I'm going Karate Kid there. From 1989, Major League. I'm going Major League. I'm going to make you flip for it. Heads Radio gets the win. From 1988, Bull Durham. I think I'm going to go radio. You, you know, I, I got to go Bull Durham here, Eric. I got to make you flip. Okay. And it's Tails, Bull Durham. From 1999, Varsity Blues. Now, you know, I love Varsity Blues. It's great. But but I think radio is definitely the better film. Gonna make you flip for it this time here. Heads, Varsity Blues. Radio sits now at number 12 on our flick chart. Not bad for a 15 seed in its bracket. No kidding, right? All right, man. All right, so there you have it, Chris. That is our uh, 64 Sports Movie Challenge part of the podcast for this week. All right, Eric. Well, I'll tell you what. That brings us to this week's movie. And, you know, I mentioned it uh, before. You brought us one that I'll tell you is, I think, severely overlooked and underappreciated. Just a phenomenal film. And that is 12 Mighty Orphans. Mighty Orphans is about a devoted high school coach haunted by a mysterious past who leads a team of scrawny orphans to the Texas State Championship during the Great Depression and inspires a whole nation along the way. Twelve Angry Orphans was a, I'm sorry, Twelve Mighty Orphans was originally 
uh, released June 11th of 2021. Eric, it only made a box office of $3.7 million. But in its defense, let's remember, as we talked about before we started recording here today, that was right in the midst of COVID. Yep. It killed so this that film. Definitely, I think, had some impact there. Mm-hmm. This film was, was shot, made, and was in the post-processing when COVID struck, and it just destroyed this film. Yeah. Uh, the film is based on a book, uh, 12 Mighty Orphans, The Inspiring True Story of the Mighty Mites Who Ruled Texas Football. That was written by Jim Dent. The screenplay adaptation was written by Ty Roberts, Kevin Mayer, and Lane Garrison. The director of the film was Ty Roberts. It was produced by Houston Hill, Angelique DeLuca, Michael DeLuca, and Britton Bryan. Distributed by Sony Pictures Classics. Music was done by Mark Orton. Main actors in the film, Luke Wilson as Rusty Russell. Phenomenal job, by the way. Martin Sheen as Doc Hall. Vanessa Shaw as Juanita Russell. Wayne Knight in a very un like role as Frank <laughs> Wynn. And I'll tell you, I thought he did great. Yes, uh, he did. Yeah, Jake Austin Walker as Hardy Brown. Scott Hayes as Rodney Kidd. One of my favorite characters, Ron White as Sheriff Red Wright. <laughs> oh, I loved him, especially at the end. And Levi Dillon as Fairbanks. The current flick chart stats, and Eric, this is just mind-boggling. This film has a global ranking of 82,002. The movie only wins 31% of its matchups. As you said, I don't get it. It's only been ranked 45 times by only eight users. One person has it in their top 20. Eric, do you know who that one person is? It's not me. Is it you? It is me. Oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. No one has it at number one. That means two out of the eight people in the entire flick chart world are us. Yes. Holy cow. Yeah. So I'll tell you. I just tell you, I'm telling you right now, people need to get out and watch this movie. Right now, it is on yeah. Stars. You know, it's free to watch. It is great entertainment. But, Eric, that is 12 Mighty Orphans. Why don't you go ahead and break it down for us? So before we dive into this with all the spoilers, pause this, go find it, rent it, buy it. I bought it off Amazon, Chris. It's in my personal collection. I don't put a movie in my personal collection unless I feel it's good enough that I want to rewatch it multiple times. Right. This is one of those movies. So go do that first, then come back and listen to the rest of this. It's fair warning. Go do that now. Here we go. So 12 Mighty Orphans opens with a beautiful black and white scene about the Dust Bowl and in the Great Depression time period in which this film is taking place. One of the things that this film does so eloquently and so beautifully are the voiceover narrations done by Martin Sheen. And he has a character in the film, Chris, that is kind of crucial to, I think, the um, theme of family, love, and forgiveness. And 
I I thought the direction of giving him a voice to the movie was a perfect selection. One of many things that the direction of this film did absolutely correct. We go from the voiceover of that time period to a transition to the 1938 Texas State Championship high school championship game as a group of boys come into the uh, locker room and shall we say they looked beat up, if you will. Uh, Coach Rusty Russell walks in as well, and he is played by Luke Wilson, like you mentioned. I thought he did an absolute phenomenal. I I would honestly say I thought it was an award-winning performance, Chris. I, I really did. Yeah. Um, and he's trying to decide what to do next. And then the film actually flashes back even further to to the beginning of how this man known as, as Rusty, Coach Rusty Russell, became the coach of of an orphanage of boys. So Rusty, along with his wife, Juanita, who is played by Vanessa Shaw, which I thought she had a small but yet very critical role in the film. And I thought she did a, a wonderful job and their beautiful little child. They arrive at the Masonic group home for orphaned boys. They are greeted by Frank Wynn, who you mentioned was played by Wayne Knight. Again, tremendous job. And right from the very beginning, you get this snarky, snarly bad guy that's going to confront and be the antagonist to Rusty and his family. We then see Sheriff Red White, which was played by Ron White. He shows up and he drops off at the uh, at the door an orphan named Hardy Brown, who was played by Jake Austin Walker. And uh, again, another great performance, by the way, whose backstory was that uh, he was found curled up next to his dead father on his farm and his mother no longer wanted him. And so they had no choice but to bring him to the orphanage. Then we have another black and white narration done by Sheen about orphans in, in, in this time period, which just really grips at your heart. Uh, Sheriff White walks the newest orphan boy, Hardy Brown, into the office of Doc Hall, who we discover is Martin Sheen, the guy who's been doing the voiceovers in those narrations. And we see this we see this kind of fatherly figure or grandfatherly figure uh, of Doc Hall, who's who's kind of looking over these boys and their well-being. Uh, Rusty's family moves into their new home on campus that looks completely ignored and falling apart. And while laying in bed, Rusty and Juanita contemplate their decision to move to the orphanage as teachers and a football coach, all while looking through the holes in their roof at the stars at the, in the sky. Uh, Juanita isn't completely on board with this decision as Rusty flashes back to his own past as a child, leaving us to believe that he himself was an orphan, Chris. So a little foreshadowing there. Frank is basically a task uh, master, as we learn. And he's running a printing printing press within the orphanage using child labor, uh, free child labor to do so. Uh, and he's doing it out of fear and abuse that these kids uh, are just facing on a daily basis. Rusty finds them all in Frank's class when he immediately confronts Frank. That evening, they hold their first football practice when Rusty finds out that none of them have even played the game before, Chris. Their first practice looked more like a WWF Royal Rumble match than it did football. Hey, but one guy had at least held a football. 
what he did hold a football at one time. One guy. He had held one. <laughs> Frank meets with uh, Eamon Carter, who uh, was played by Trent Williams, who I guess we'll just kind of call him as the like principal, if you will. I'm really not sure what his title was, Chris, but he he was overseer of the of the orphanage. And uh, Frank is complaining about Rusty and his football team because he's making the orphanage lose money due to the poison boys not being able to be in his <clears throat> quote unquote print shop class. They have discovered a little rule in the Texas high school rule book stating that all players uh, must pass a basic test in order to play. But like Rusty says, these boys aren't like most boys. And so the task begins to not only form these orphans into a football team, but along with the help of his wife, they must boost their education so that they can pass the test. Um, They end up taking the test. And uh, at the time, there were 16 orphans playing on the team when Eamon informs the boys that four of them did not pass. So Rusty is now left with only 12 players. And then 12, he says 12, we should say Mighty Orphans. That is the opening third of the movie. You get the backstories, most of the backstories, introduction to the characters. Chris, your thoughts? Well, first of all, I love the way that Luke Wilson's character, he almost develops through the whole movie. Yes. They they drop in little pieces the, the entire way, so you don't get hit with it all at once. But I'll tell you, I thought they did a great job. I'm with you. I think that Martin Sheen, uh, his character, Doc Hall, they he, he's very essential. And I think that using him as the voiceover, you know, what was brilliant. I love the fact that, you know, he's actually the reason that they're all there. Because we find out that Martin Sheen, you know, we find out early on is the one who actually recommended Rusty Russell be brought in to coach the football team. Um, you know, Vanessa Shaw, as you said, brilliant uh, as, as Juanita Russell in a, a limited, but I think impactful role. And I can't say enough about Wayne, uh, Wayne Knight. I really can't because, you know, we're used to seeing him in comedic roles. And this was so far gone. This guy was kind of like Newman meets the, War, not the warden, the the head guard from Shawshank. <laughs> I mean that that's kind of what he felt like to me. Um, Ron White's character absolutely loved him, and, and just again surprising there. Uh, and I thought, it, you know, what they this is based on a true story, as we know. Mm-hmm. And I think the way they portrayed it. I feel like that's the way an orphanage would have been in that era. I really do. Um, so, yeah, I think they did a great job with, with the introdu- introductory third of the movie. All right. <clears throat> Moving on. Rusty and Doc, who uh, becomes kind of his assistant coach, or as we later find out, the defensive coordinator, begin watching the boys play when their ball of, of flour busts in Rusty's face because they didn't have a real ball because they, you know, blew that one. And this gives him another flashback. This one to when Rusty was in a war, Chris. So, again, this guy, you mentioned it, the kind of the development of his backstory. There's some more of it right there. Rusty then takes a trip to the city in order to be accepted into the league so that the boys can have other schools to play. 
This is when he runs into a rival coach named Luther, played by Lane Garrison. And I love to hate this guy. He is a easily he is he's got a face you would love to punch, doesn't he? Oh my goodness. Oh, absolutely. He's a, he's a weasel. Yes. And you may have heard that name mentioned by me earlier on because he was one of the writers of the screenplay in, uh, for this. After initially being denied, the league coaches voted to allow the orphanage into their league. Again, this was done through the wisdom of Doc, who uh, obviously read the book and he's and he he used the guy's own words who helped write the book against them to get the coaches to vote. And they voted them in in their first game against Polytech, a polytechnic school, which was coached by Luther, by the way. Uh, they had won two state titles in, in Texas Class A in the past five seasons. And it didn't go so well. The opening kick is returned for a touchdown by Polly. Uh, after a terrible start, Hardy does run in and touchdown, but is but a block in the back calls it back, uh, brings the TD back, and the boys end up fighting each other on the field at that point, moment. Uh, fast forward to the end of the game, they lose 35-0. to zero. That evening at the dinner table, Rusty's daughter was drawing circles and coloring them in on a piece of paper. When he looks at it and he is motivated by what he sees and he creates a spread offense or a wing T spread offense that he then takes the boys outside on the practice field and begins teaching them that night the new offense, which is going to help utilize their lack of um, – uh, size and strength, but but utilize their speed to their advantage, given the rules of football. Uh, and then this is also when he reveals to them that he himself was indeed an orphan. In game two against Mineral Wells, the orphans unveil their new offense, which catches their opponents off guard. Chris, they go on to win twenty-eight to zero which means uh, they get to keep the game ball and take it home to the orphanage so that they can now practice with a real football. That's how dire they were in uh, in this movie, Chris. Isn't that incredible? Uh, on their way back to the orphanage, however, their truck breaks down. Yeah, they were literally – they'd all sit in the back of a pickup truck to go to their games. And a nice fancy yellow school bus rolls by, and of course it has to be the boys from Polytech. In their next game – uh, a Minnesota. I love this little clip. It was in there so short. I didn't know if you caught it or not. But in their next game, the third game, there's a group of um, older guys from the Masonic Temple, and they're playing in a band. <laughs> I love I, that. I actually missed that, Eric. I loved it. Yeah. If you ever, if you go back and watch it, look for that. It is so good. It's real fast. It's only a couple seconds, but I get, I get tickled by that. Uh, in the third game, they defeat Highland Park, who was expected to win. Um, Pop, a local reporter, shows up to do a story on Rusty and his mighty orphans that he coins. And uh, when uh, and then they go back to the orphanage and the boys are playing and practicing and they have a play uh, called the Snod Special. And that's one of the orphanage names. They call him Snods. But he just can't catch a cold, Chris. No matter what he does, he can't catch the ball. He couldn't even catch a cold, right? This is why Pop is speaking uh, to uh, Rusty about what's going on here. And then Pop decides to get on the phone because he's got some connections. And he tells President Roosevelt about these boys and how that they could inspire an entire nation. We then have a scene when one of the orphan's moms busts into the orphanage. Boy, this one's heart-wrenching, isn't it, Chris? 
Yeah. It's been 10 years since she dropped him off. It's, it's weedy. I believe is what they call him. And uh, he's the quarterback on the team. And, you know, they've gained some notoriety. She probably read his name in the paper or sees his name in the paper and decides she's going to go back and pick him up now. And he doesn't want to leave. He sees mom's still a drunk and her new boyfriend slash husband, whatever he was, is obviously a, not a good dude. And he doesn't want to leave. She slaps him in the face multiple times. Just a gut-wrenching scene when he goes down he throws the football at their truck and hits it which is a great pass by the way hit a moving automobile then he runs upstairs and just in a fit of anger and rage starts tearing apart a part of the orphanage up there and the boys just kind of let him do it and then they all embrace him that family love for one another comes through there uh, the orphans go on, uh, shall we call it a mighty win streak, Chris? <laughs> and they go all, they finish the season undefeated after losing their opening game, and they go on to play for a regional championship game. This is when Frank uh, meets with uh, Luther, and they hatch a plan behind the scenes to take down this mighty orphans football program. Um, this is, uh, so we get to the, we get to the regional game and Luther is just, he's beside himself because the mighty orphans are just destroying him. He even goes as far as to, to the, say to the refs that Hardy's got uh, metal in his shoulder pads, that they're cheating everything under the, under the sun. Right. And, and then at the end of the game, he tells one of his better players to go out there and hurt one of their running backs. And sure enough, uh, you mentioned him. Uh, uh, Fairbanks, one of the one of the halfbacks, gets his leg busted, and you see the bone sticking out of his leg. And back then, those injuries, Chris, that ended you, your career. You didn't you didn't come back from those. Um, so that that's just a terrible, terrible scene. Um, very very disheartening in that in that part. But they go on to win forty nine to ten over Polytech team that beat them 35 to zero at the beginning of the uh, of the of the season and this awards the 12 mighty orphans the masonic orphanage boys they're going to get the chance to go play for a state championship but now chris they only have 11 players one is hurt that is the bulk of the of the middle of the movie chris uh before we get to the end what'd you think well you know i loved it i mean it didn't – again, we talk about it so often. A lot of times, middles of the movie, uh, they tend to drag. They tend to have things maybe that are unnecessary in there. I don't think this had that at all. This kept the pace up. Uh, I think that you know we, we had a pretty good little winning streak montage. We had uh, you know more, more character development from these kids as we see them kind of growing into the role of, of football players. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that for me, that Eric, I'm telling you, this is one of the better football movies. I mentioned before we started, this is one of the better football movies I've ever seen. It really is that good start to finish. Um, I do think that, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. It queased me just a little bit seeing that bone sticking out of the kid's leg. Yeah. 
they they did a pretty good job with the uh, special effects there. Um, but yeah, I mean, they really did a great job of of developing, building up the uh, the orphans, but at the same time, really vilifying that. Uh, oh, uh, my goodness, I can't remember his name now. But the head coach from Polytech. Oh, Luther, yeah. Luther, man, this guy. He was a weasel at the beginning, but you just hated the, everything about this guy by this point in the film. And he hasn't even started to play dirty yet. You know, I mean, he, as, we, as we'll find out in the third uh, third act there, uh, him and some of his family are in cahoots. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, I thought they did a great job with the film through this portion. All right, let's jump in the final third. Frank catches one of the boys snooping around the girls uh, part of the orphanage. And uh, he walks into their bedroom and starts just beating one of the boys to, I mean, almost to death. Um, Frank threatens all of them. And Hardy says he's had enough, man. He walks into Frank's office and absolutely kicks the fat boy's butt. And this is when Coach Rusty learns that they have been kicked out of the state championship for <clears throat> quote unquote cheating, which includes having a boy over age and uh, having ex- excessive practice out of season. And Rusty has had enough and he, and he finds Frank sitting in Eamon's office and he accuses Frank of stealing gate fees, running an illegal child labor business and abusing the kids. Frank threatens to have Hardy arrested for assault if he returns to the orphanage since he ran away after beating him up. Uh, this leads to Rusty sulking when Juanita shows him all of his fan mail, showing him how he and his team was was giving uh, people hope all around the nation in what was such a tough time during that time period. And then Rusty and the boys, uh, one of the boys knows where Hardy Hardy's probably hiding out, and so Rusty and the team go and find him. And this is when Rusty and Hardy have a heart to heart, man, and they, they kind of meet each other on level ground. And then the entire team shows up, letting him know that they are are his family. Uh, just a great touching scene there. Um, we also find out that Frank used Hardy's birth, Hardy's brother's birth certificate in his place to try and get them disqualified. And and this is this led to a meeting with the Texas uh, athletic department, I guess you could say, an attempt to try to get them re-established re- and get the chance to go to state, but they're having none of it. They just said it's too late. Uh, Polytech's going to take your place, since uh, you know we, you know, all of we still don't know if that certificate's real or not. And of course, they proved that uh, through Eamon's help that indeed it was real that uh, that that or that that birth certificate was indeed false. That his real birth certificate shows that he is only 17 years old. And then, uh, you know, Pop the 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 reporter obviously uh, pulled some strings, and uh, President Roosevelt decides to call the the head of the board there in Texas. And lo and behold. Guess what? They overturned their decision and they're going to get to go play in state. This is when we have one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Sheriff Wright shows up and arrests Frank for child labor laws, abuse of a minor and embezzlement. 
And when he's uh, being led in cuffs out of the orphanage and all the boys are getting ready to load the bus to go play state, there's one of them says, boy, this is music to my ears, man. And then Doc says, I told you there was going to be changes coming around here. Great scene, right? Now, we fast forward to where the movie actually began. I love when a director does this. They show you the ending. And then they show you at the beginning of the film, then they show you how, how you get there, and now they're going to complete that scene. I love that. I, again, great directing. Back at the halftime when the movie began, trailing by a score by one score with everyone groggling and complaining, Hardy screams, I am a mighty warrior. He admits it. He This whole time, the whole movie, they that was kind of their slogan. He would never say it because he didn't want to admit that he was an orphan. But he admits it. He says, I be- that I believe in all of you and I believe in myself. Um, and he gives this fiery halftime speech. And here we are. Rusty doesn't even have to give it. They then change back to their old cheap handmade jerseys that we find out that the girls in the orphanage made for them. How cool was that, right? And then the Mighty Mites go out and score a touchdown but they missed the extra point, Chris, and they're now trailing seven to six. Fast forward to the very end of the game. There's just uh, time for just one more play. And Rusty says, you guys choose what you want to play, what play you want to run. And so they said, you know what? Let's run the snod special. <laughs> he hasn't caught a ball all year, Chris, but on this play, he catches it, but he's still short. And then he laterals it, a few more laterals. Hardy finds the ball in his hands. He's running to the end, end zone with about 10 yards to go. He ends up dragging half of the opponents. And when it's all said and done, a giant pile assumes at uh, the very uh, goal line. And when everybody gets up off of the huddle, Chris, he's just one yard short. Did you not think of the St. Louis Rams and Tennessee Titans Super Bowl? I at did. that moment. I definitely did. So they lost, right? But here's where it's so good. The entire stadium, including their opponents, all cheer mighty orphans. They have it's just it's so inspiring, right? On the bus ride home, Rusty and Hardy moves up to the front of the bus where they have a moment of reflection with the understanding that they that there are greater things than winning and losing. But bringing hope to everyone who can't who can't fight for themselves is more important. And they get back to the orphanage where they're greeted like champions. Uh, they also, and and and, and I failed to mention this, but in a, in a great move, coming out of halftime, uh, Hardy puts on Fairbanks jersey in his honor, and he and he hears his name being. Uh, said aloud on the radio while he's in the hospital but they get back home and one of the final lines of the movie i love it says what rusty brought to the masonic home wasn't just education and athletics but he brought the feeling of family and then in much uh, and then much to the same vein as remember the titans they then show pictures of the real people who the story is about in, in the closing credits, and it's just so moving. Yeah, I that was going to do that. Yeah, that is 12 Mighty Orphans. Chris, your thoughts of the movie overall? 
great film, uh, great acting, great direction, uh, you know, a, a great story. And it's always it's always even more special when it is a true story or at least based on a true story. And it is great. Uh, you know, definitely, I think. You know, a bit of a feel good movie. It's got a great um, historical aspect to the movie as well, uh, occurring during the Great Depression. Just so many wonderful things to just love about this movie, Eric. Um, you know, the minute I got done watching it, I, I called out to Bobby, my wife, and I said, you've got to watch this. This is just a great movie. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was had this film come out at any other time than when it did, Eric, I think this film's winning awards. I agree. Uh, you know, it's just, it is that good. It's that powerful. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I loved it. And I'll tell you, I'm with you. Definitely one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when Ron White goes in to arrest uh, Frank, uh, yeah, Frank. But on the way in, he runs into uh, Hardy. Yeah, he's like Hardy Brown, and he's like, "Yes, sir." Yeah. Uh oh, what I do? <laughs> he's like, "Good luck out." There. Yeah. And he just smiles and says, "Hey, that boy's gonna bring us home a state title," and starts walking, walking back to his business to go arrest Frank. Uh, and and that scene was so reminiscent of, you know, I mentioned earlier how Wayne Knight kind of reminded me of the combination of Newman and uh, uh, Captain Hadley from Shawshank. Mm-hmm. That scene, that arrest scene was very reminiscent, I think, of maybe a slightly more comical version of the Shawshank arrest. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was, you know, really, really good. But yeah, a great, powerful movie, Eric. I, I've never seen it. I am very glad you brought that to my attention. Beautiful. Um, best movie made. I said it last. I told you last week. I think it's the best movie made in probably the last at least fifteen years. Sports movie. I don't know yeah, one better I, in the last. I don't know years. that I can argue with you. I know King Richard got a lot of acclaim this past year. I've seen King Richard. I don't think King Richard hands a, holds a candle in the wind to 12 Mighty Orphans. I really don't. No, I, I can't disagree. All right, man. That means it's only it's time to throw her on the flick chart let's, and see what let's, happens. Let's see if we can't fix that 31% rating a little bit. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Uh, it's a tough matchup right off the bat, but I still think it's going to win. From 1985, Teen Wolf, 12 Mighty Orphans is better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that had to hurt you just a little bit, Eric. It did. This one might hurt you a little bit. From the year 2000, The Replacements. No, no. It's, it's not only the thing it's close. I love The Replacements, but 12 Mighty Orphans is a much better movie. All right. I agree. From 2017, uh, one of the better movies and, and really high on flick chart and uh, an award-winning movie, I, Tanya, Give Me 12 Mighty Orphans. Yeah, I agree. You know, we love the way I, Tanya, was filmed. Thought it was a really good, uh, I'd say, mockumentary. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Oh, boy. Here's where we're going to get get get, uh, get difficult here. Are you ready? Let's do it. From 1984, The Karate Kid. 
Well, I'll tell you what, Eric, it did, that's tough. Two yeah. very good movies. You know, obviously The Karate Kid, an iconic film. I'll tell you, if I'm looking at it from a cinematic film uh, standpoint, I believe 12 Mighty Orphans is the better film. Mm. There's something that wants me to pull for Karate Kid, but at the same time, you know, I think that the true, based on a true story aspect of it, gives it a little edge. I'm going to go 12 Mighty Orphans. All right. We're going to flip for this one here. Uh, I love 12 Mighty Orphans, but man, the Karate Kid is iconic. So here we go. Tails, 12 Mighty Orphans takes down the Karate Kid. Oh, boy. From 1976, Rocky. I'm sorry. 12 Mighty Orphans is good, but it is not Rocky. It's not Rocky. No, no. It's Rocky all the way there. From 1980, Caddyshack. Now, I can, I can. I can see 12 Mighty Orphans taking down Caddyshack here. I really can. You know, Caddyshack, definitely one of my favorite films. And it is iconic, much like The Karate Kid. But I'll tell you what, Eric, as much as I love Caddyshack, and as good a film as it is, I think cinematically 12 Mighty Orphans is better. I I'm agree. Mighty Orphans. I agree. From 1986, Hoosiers. You know, uh, oh. I, love, I love me some Normandale. Love me some Coach Normandale. Jimmy Chitwood. But you know what? We've talked about it on this podcast before. Eric. Does not Hoosiers hold up. Does not hold up well. I'm going with the Orphans. Mm. I just can't. I just can't. I just can't do it. I got to go Hoosiers. Let's flip for it. Heads. Hoosiers wins this one. Can't be mad about that, though. No. Hey, you want to know how good 12 Mighty Orphans is? It's sitting number six on our flick chart. That's pretty good. Yeah. Here is our top ten. Number one, Field of Dreams. Number two, Remember the Titans. Number three, Rudy. Number four, Rocky. Number five, Hoosiers. Now number six, 12 Mighty Orphans. Number seven, Caddyshack. Number eight, Moneyball. Number nine, um, how is this number nine? The Sandlot. Number 10, The Karate Kid. That is one heck. How's that number nine? That should be somewhere around 14. What? You're smoking crack. (laughs) Get out of here with that. That that was just for you. I knew that would get a response. (laughs) Shoot. All right. So I'll tell you, we, we've seen some shakeup in that top 10 here in the uh, last few weeks, Eric. Yeah. Field of Dreams jumped up to number one, became the new champion. 12 Mighty Orphans, a film that apparently no one in America has seen, is a top 10 sports movie of all time. I mean, man alive. There, there's definitely some shakeup here at the end of season two of, of Varsity Videos. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I guess we got to decide what we're going to, to to watch for next time. You know, I really did not want to do football films back to back, Eric. I really didn't. But I was inspired over the weekend. I got this great little clip of, of a cousin of mine returning a hundred yard 
fumble recovery for a touchdown in a high school football game. You know what? We talked about it a little bit earlier. I want to watch some high school football movies. I want to watch Varsity Blues. Oh, one of my faves. I'm going to watch it, and we're going to re-rank it and see if we can't get it right this time. All right. So here's the thing about Varsity Blues, man. I was a cla- I was the class of 2000, uh, and so I graduated high school in the year 2000. And Varsity Videos, which or excuse me, Varsity Blues, which came out in 1999, was our our class film that we voted on. So there is a very special place in my heart for for Varsity Blues, and I I'm telling you, man, I went to school with some of these kids. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> well, you, you know, and and people who go on and go now and watch Twelve Mighty Orphans. Let me just tell you, that final play. Let me see something just a little bit like that one more time. One more time. <laughs> one more time. Biggie Bob, Biggie Bob, Coach yeah. Bud Gilmer, come on. Yeah, yeah. Great so, choice, Chris. And and so here's the deal: we only have two more episodes left in season two. So just kind of a, a rundown of what to expect. Next week we will give we will have our final four in the 64 Sports Movie Challenge. We will review Varsity Blues. We will also be voting on our 2022 Season 2 uh, Varsity Letter Awards from this year's tournament. And we will have those award that award show and reveal the champion and have one more show uh, in 2022 before we take the rest of the year off. And come back, come back after football season for season three of Varsity videos and a whole new 64 movies. Not not necessarily brand new, but new brackets, a new 64 bracket for season three, man. Yeah, I'm really excited. You know, can't wait. We got college football kicking off here, Eric, and you know we got a little to do with that as well. Yep. So. Yeah, looking forward to wrapping up season two and looking forward to a great season three. So that does it for today's show. Remember to please rank and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcasts. Also, make sure you're following us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash varsity videos. Until next time, see you at the field, on the court, and in the theaters. Good night, everybody. Good night. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, three hundred dollars You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash 
Shire and from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. 